Hey, Al. Hey, Barry. What's a cleric's favorite drink? What? Divinity. It's time for Compelled Duel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Barry. And I'm Al. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast. Previously on Compelled Duel. Where are we? I don't know, genius. I'm not the one that fucked up the portal. You see, by the trunk of one of these massive trees rises a shambling earth elemental and air elementals two of them there are two people on the rabbit's back you have never seen or heard of a goliath or a fearbolg i am ylva of clan mistfoot uh by deed i am named she who crushed the skull of the wolf that is my wife they have no name you are in oskaya Great, so we are as far from home as we can possibly be in the world right now. Leo screams, I'll kill you! And he's gonna roll a grapple check. He's gonna cast a witch bolt on him. Get in settle or I will turn this bunny around. Do you have a plan to go forward? I just had a question about how many times you came to me with your spells and your performance reviews and your stupid riddles and you knew that he was dead. Three times. Leo reaches up, yanks the choker around his neck off with a snap and throws his holy symbol to the ground at Kimrel's feet. We're done. The terms of our deal don't allow you to just Watch me. (laughs) Soren's dead. And we're stranded here and I'm stuck here with you. Our camera zooms out on the two of you next to this fire, both at this point with tears streaming down your faces and laughing hysterically at the sheer irony and unfairness of it all. So it's actually been a while since the last time we left off. It's about a week and a half later. And Fee, you are waist deep in nasty, stagnant swamp water. Gross. After you got down out of the bottom of this massive mountain range to the north of Oskaya with your two new traveling companions, Ilva of Clan Mistfoot, she who crushed the head of the wolf, who is a Goliath druid, and her wife known only as this one, who is a fear bull granger, they have offered to guide you to the city of Ivagorsk, which is in the south of Oskaya, about a month and a half away, where you could possibly contract a boat. However, you were advised that the safest route to take would be through the swamp that you currently find yourself traveling through. It is gross. Much like everything in Oskaya, all of the flora and fauna here are incomprehensibly large. 
there are these willow trees the size of castles with their massive limbs just shooting down into this stagnant water. You see a couple fish move through the water around you that are handily larger than you, but they don't seem to bother you that much. Ilva and this one seem fine. They're heading up the pack, and your brother is next to you, not doing fine at all, just with every sloshing, muddy step he takes, going, ugh, ugh, ugh. He says, oh, sure, be a little louder, Leo. We might attract a bear or, I don't know, any other large predator that exists in this hell continent. Bears don't live in swamps, genius, he snaps back. He looks gross. Leo has hair down to his ass, so his hair is, like, filled with swamp sludge. In front of you, Ilva turns around and sticks out this pot of something in her hands and goes, You'll put this on before we move further into swamp. Wh- why? As you're asking that, Leo takes the little clay pot and unscrews it, takes a sniff at it. <laughs> Ugh, this smells vile. Why would I put this on me? Ilva says, is to keep of a mosquito. Leo immediately scoops out a handful of this shit and starts rubbing it all over his body. <laughs> he says, ew, 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 but then also puts on the mosquito repellent. So in addition to being covered in swamp sludge, you are now covered in this muddy, foul-smelling mosquito repellent. Leo silently hands Ilva the pot of mosquito repellent back, takes a shuddering breath, and goes, I have algae in my pants. I have been walking chest deep in swamp water for days, and my hair is never going to be the same again. I've had it! Before you have time to process what he's doing, he reaches for his belt, unsheathes his sword, twists his hair up in a knot at the back of his neck, and just slices it all off. His hair is, like, down to his chin now. It's like the world's most heavy-handed bisexual bob haircut. Ha! pauses for a second, tilts her head, and then reaches one hand back to where she has tied her own hair up (laughs) with a little leather strap. And says, bro, I had another hair tie. (laughs) Uh, It's fine. It's fine. I'm exerting control over the things in my life that I can control to make me feel like everything isn't spinning out of control. It's fine. And Leo pushes on through the sludge a little bit longer. All he had to do was ask her. Okay, fine. He's about like 10 feet out in front of you at this point. You hear from over his shoulder him say, it's fine. There's no way that this can get any worse. And then from overhead, and it immediately starts pouring the rain down. The sighs, looks up at the sky, and says, Your sense of dramatic irony, as always, is just impeccable. When you say that, a lightning bolt comes down pretty close to you and strikes one of the giant willow trees that are coming up through this swamp. As another booming clap of thunder sounds overhead, you look over at this now-destroyed tree trunk, and there is a kernel of softly glowing and zapping electric light that remains sort of nestled in the trunk. 
okay, obviously I slosh over to that. Okay, as soon as you get within, I'll say, 10 feet of it, it zooms over, hits you square in the chest. It feels like a really heavy static shock. Hurts a little bit, but doesn't do any damage. And you level up. You are now a level 8 Divine Soul Sorcerer. Fee nods, because, okay, I, that was weird. You see Leo turned around where he was still in front of you, his new haircut now down in his eyes from the rain. He just kind of blinks and goes, you know what, I'm not going to ask, and then turns around and keeps walking. (laughs) As he keeps walking, Fee just yells, new god, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. You keep sloshing your way through this swamp. You do see a couple mosquitoes flying around, but they do not approach you because you all have on the gross mosquito repellent. And yes, they are unsettlingly large. Oh, good. <laughs> I love Oskaya. It's a good country. It's a good place to be in and exist. As you keep pushing forward, you come to a spot in the swamp where there's a little bit more of a concentration of dry land. Big willow trees shooting up out of the ground. There are several small island-like masses of land with these stretches of swamp water in between them. As you go to keep moving forward, you see this one put a hand up, as if to tell everyone to stop. Don't like that, I stop, because when the ranger says stop, that's what you do. For a while, everything is disturbingly silent, with nothing but the sound of the rain pouring down into this stagnant water. And then very quietly... This one hops down off the back of Cuddles, the giant highland battle bunny, and says, Be very careful moving in water. Is something there? Oh, that's great and not unsettling at all, thank you. Leo, still looking a little bit manic, goes, You know what? We walked past a leech the size of a fucking anaconda earlier. I'm ready for anything at this point, and just takes two big marching steps into the water. And everybody roll initiative. (laughs) That's an 11 for Leo. Big fat 11. This one got a 16. Yola gets a 9. Fee gets a 23. And then let me roll for what's in the water. As Leo steps into the swamp water, there is a... (laughs) And out of this stagnant water rears the humongous head of a giant crocodile. Leo just screams at the top of his lungs. And there is another and a slap of water as another crocodile crests out of the water, its huge tail rising and then slapping down. These absolutely humongous crocodiles are between your party and the rest of the land masses further on in the swamp. Everybody else is back on the landmass that you started on. Leo is in the water. From on shore, Fee just yells, Fucking what? I hate this place! Also on shore next to her, this one yells, This one said to be careful, baby! I'm not a baby! Fee, because she goes first in initiative, cusses extravagantly, whips her wand out, and is going to cast a lightning bolt on the crocodile that you are not in the way of. So that crocodile is going to make a dex save. 
It rolled a 16, but it has negative one, so it's a 15, so it just goes under Fee's new save DC. Hell yeah, get it. So that's going to be 8d6 damage. And you know what? Fee's not having the shit today. So she's going to do an empowered spell. So that's going to be a whopping 39 damage. And then this one goes next. This one yells, Cuddles, distract! And Cuddles is going to give this one the help action. (laughs) What does he do? (laughs) So, Leo, when you were a kid, I think Kalesa had a rotating door of pet rabbits. So you've heard the rabbit noise. They do like a squeaky little bark sound. Um, That, but ten times louder and deeper. Comes out of Cuddles' horrible, befanged mouth. And then this one is going to pull a longbow off of their back and pulls it back to take a shot at the crocodile that is in front of you. I'm going to give them advantage on both of those shots. Which is good because both of those are going to hit with that advantage. (laughs) This one does a total of seven damage on the crocodile in front of Leo. And then it is the first crocodile's turn. It is right in front of you, Leo. It swims through the water a little bit closer, and it is going to make a bite attack. Doesn't do it. That's a 13. <laughs> Leo screams and jumps back. But it is going to make a tail attack, which is also plus eight to hit. And that one's going to do it. That's 25. So that's 18 bludgeoning damage. Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then you need to make a strength saving throw. Natural 18 plus two, that's a dirty 20. Okay. (laughs) This crocodile tries to bite Leo, doesn't do it, and then whips around to hit him with the tail. Does it. Leo takes 18 damage and does not get knocked down into the swamp water. (laughs) Fuck you, pal. I've only got so much good hair left. So then it's the second crocodile's turn. So it's going to come right up on this landmass and try to snap at this one. That's going to do it. That's 21. That's 23. And they are grappled until they can make a strength save to get out. And then the crocodile is going to make a tail attack on cuddles. So it's going to be a 26. So that's 15 bludgeoning damage on Cuddles. No! Not the bunny! And then it is Leo's turn. So this is about to be a very uninteresting combat, you guys. Leo can do one thing now. I'm gonna hit it with my sword. Dirty 20. That's gonna do it. I can do 1d8 plus 2 damage per round. Wow, I do seven damage! Yay! A strong seven. A, a fierce seven. <laughs> so it's Ilva's turn. Ilva is going to cast Healing Spirit at fourth level. So what Healing Spirit does is she calls forth a nature spirit to soothe the wounded. This intangible spirit appears in a space that is a five-foot cube that she can see. Looks like a transparent beast or fae. I think it looks like a big bird. And until the spell ends, 
whenever a creature moves into the spirit's space for the first time or starts to turn there. The spirit restores, in this case, because it's a fourth level spell, 3d6 hit points. Because this one and the crocodile are in the same space, Ilva's going to plop that healing spirit down on top of Cuddles. So Cuddles gets back 11 of those 15 hit points. Ilva says, good boy, and then yells to this one, love mine, get out of the crocodile's mouth. And this one yells back, this one would love to. So that was her bonus action. As her action, Ilva is going to cast Thorn Whip on the crocodile that is currently chomping down on her wife. Oh, the natural one. <laughs> and then we are back to Fee at the top of the order. Fee considers the crocodile that has actually managed to do something successfully <laughs> the bigger threat. Leo's a big boy. He can handle himself. Fee's going to cast a third level guiding bolt. That's a plus eight to hit on the crocodile that currently has this one in its mouth. That'll do it. That's a 19. Fee does 25 radiant damage on the same crocodile that she shot a lightning bolt at. And the next person that tries to hit that one is going to get advantage. This one, who goes next, is going to try to escape the grapple. They're going to yell, Cuddles, help! (laughs) (laughs) And then Cuddles is going to hop closer to the edge of this landmass and then just try to fucking absolutely donkey kick this crocodile right in the face. Doesn't hit, but is going to give this one the help action. This one's strength is not great. It's a plus one, but they do have proficiency with athletics. So with advantage, they're going to make an athletics check to break the grapple. Whoo! <laughs> uh, that handily does it. That's 22. So this one breaks out of the grapple with this crocodile. And that's their turn, but they are going to scramble back onto the landmass and within range of the healing spirit. So they're going to get seven hit points back. And then it is time for the crocodiles. So the first crocodile is, again, gonna try to bite Leo because you didn't get out of the water on that last turn. Ooh, that's a 26. That's gonna do it. So Leo... This crocodile's massive jaws yawn in front of you and then clamp down around your sides. Ah! 15 piercing damage. Yeah, uh, over half my hit points are gone. So you are grappled and restrained until you can break the grapple. And I'm going to need you, because you just bled into the water, you have an open wound in the swamp water, to make me a con save with disadvantage. This is a great place to be, Australian. Yeah, it sure is. Eight. Didn't make it. What happens to me? Nothing yet. So it's going to try and make a tail attack on Fee because she is the closest to it. It's a 25. That's going to (laughs) hit. That is going to be 18 bludgeoning damage for Fee. And then she's going to make a strength save to not get knocked over. That's not going to do it. (laughs) Fee makes a grunt of pain as this tail whap 
just hits her full on in the side and just knocks her over. Help! Pained, Fee yells, working on it! It is the second crocodile's turn. So the second crocodile is going to try and make a bite attack. Logically, it would try to make a bite attack on Cuddles. Leave him alone! But it rolled a two. So that didn't do it. But it's going to try to make a tail attack on... Eh, with the angles, it's going to go for Ilva. That's going to do it. That's a dirty 20. But it rolled for shit, so Ilva takes eight bludgeoning damage. Ilva also grunts in pain as this tail smacks into her. She's going to make a strength save to not get knocked prone as well. That didn't do it. That was a three. And then it is Leo's turn. It's an athletics check, right? Athletics or acrobatics? Yeah, athletics or acrobatics can get you out of the mouth. It's DC 16. I have max dex, so I'm going to go with acrobatics. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes! Natural 14 plus 5 is 19. That'll do it. You extricate yourself from this crocodile's jaws. That is your entire action. I'd like to get out of the water now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Bleeding heavily, Leo scrambles his way back up onto the shore next to where Fee is lying flat on the ground. Uh, you still have a bonus action. Is there something you can do as a bonus action? Yeah, if I still had spells and cantrips and access to my channel divinity and charges on Kimbrel's blade, none of which Leo is using. Okay, so that's Ilva's turn. <laughs> Ilva is first of all going to sidestep into the space of this healing spirit next to her wife. Ilva gets a crisp nine hit points back, which means Ilva is at max health. So she's going to move the healing spirit onto Leo. So this healing spirit has five more heals left, now four as it heals Leo. Leo gets eight hit points back. And then for Ilva's action, she is going to cast a lightning bolt. <laughs> and that crocodile is going to take 34 lightning damage. This crocodile is not looking awesome. That's going to be Ilva's turn. And we're back at the top of the order with Fee. Fee is going to use half of her movement to get up from prone. Five feet to step back into range of this healing spirit. So it has three heals left. Fee gets a crisp eight hit points back and then steps forward again. So Fee's going to cast a fourth level Witch Bolt on the crocodile that chomped down on Leo. Uh, that's a 26 on this fourth level Witch Bolt. So Fee's going to do 4d12 damage on the first crocodile. And I'm going to use another Empowered Spell to reroll some of these dice. It's going to be 35 damage on the crocodile that bit Leo. And then this one finally gets to use their goddamn Hunter's Mark. <laughs> They're going to cast Hunter's Mark on the second crocodile. So they get that extra D6. And this one will have advantage on their first shot with the longbow. Wasn't great, but they do hit because the crocodiles have an AC of 14. And then they're going to roll the second attack. Not going to hit. Uh, so they hit with one of those, and they do 1d8 plus 2 plus 1d6 damage. So this one does 7 damage <laughs> with an arrow. 
It's okay. We're the seven damage club. It's fine. <laughs> this one just like mutters to themselves. <laughs> this one does not have magic. This one cannot make lightning come from the sky. This one just has bow and bunny. And then it's time for the crocodiles. <laughs> the first crocodile is going to move up because it had Leo bleeding. So it's going to move up on shore to try and get him with a bite. Ah! <gasps> no fucking way. He's going to die. So that was a crit. Cool. So next week, everybody, we're going to be meeting Leo's secret twin brother, Theo. So this crocodile is going to roll 6d10 plus 5 damage. 28 piercing damage. Oh my god. Okay, well, Leo's still conscious, but he has 10 hit points. And he is grappled and restrained. This crocodile is gonna make a tail attack, and Fee is the closest. So I'm rolling 2d8 plus 5 damage on Fee, and I'm rolling a strength save for her to see if she gets knocked prone. So she rolled 14 plus 3, 17. Fee does not get knocked prone, but she does take 16 damage. And that is the second crocodile's turn. So it is once again closest to Cuddles. (laughs) The crocodile bites Cuddles. No! I've never been more ashamed of my actions in a Dungeons & Dragons game. (laughs) It rolled 15 damage on Cuddles. And Cuddles is grappled until Cuddles can make a DC 16 athletics check. And then the crocodile is going to make a tail attack on this one. That's not going to do it. (laughs) That was a two. So this one is fine. And then it is Leo's turn. You are in a crocodile's mouth. You have 10 hit points. I scream again. (laughs) Leo's being thrashed around by this crocodile like a damn chew toy just yelling. I'm gonna try to save out of the grapple with an athletics check. Come on. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Shit. Eight. And that's Leo's whole turn. So, Ilva is going to go next. She's gonna move the healing spirit onto this one, and that's gonna use another one of its heals. This one gets seven hit points back. And then as an action, Ilva is going to touch the quiver of arrows on this one's back, and cast flame arrows. So that's some extra damage. So that's Ilva's turn, and then we're back at the top of the order with Fee. Fee still has a witch bolt on the crocodile that currently has Leo in its mouth. As a DM, I'm making the choice that Leo's going to take half of this damage. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's lightning damage, and he's in its mouth, so... Yeah, so what we want to do is we want to roll enough damage to kill the crocodile. We want to roll enough damage to kill the crocodile, but not enough to kill Leo. Yeah, that's the golden zone. Um, (laughs) So I want to roll like 18 damage. Come on, no whammies. 19 lightning damage. So the crocodile is dead, and Leo takes 9 lightning damage. Oh, how nice. Leo has one hit point. And I'm going to say to get out of this dead crocodile's jaws, you don't need to make a DC 16 acrobatic check. You need to make a DC 10 acrobatic check on your turn. (laughs) This one is up. This one started their turn in the same space as the healing spirit. So they're going to take another one of those heals. 
this one heals back up to full. So this one is going to move back a bit so they can get a good shot on the crocodile. Misses with the first shot. That'll do it. That is 1d8 damage just from the arrow, plus 1d6 from Hunter's Mark, plus 1d6 from the Flame Arrows. So that is a tasty 14 damage on this crocodile. So Cuddles did not make a check to break out of that grapple, so it's going to make another bite attack on Cuddles, and it has advantage. That's a 16 that's going to do it. So Cuddles takes another 3d10 plus 5 damage. I'm sorry. That's 18 plus 5, 23 damage for Cuddles. And then it's going to make a tail attack on Ilva because this one backed up. That's going to hit. 13. But Ilva is at full health, so 13 is not that bad. And then we are at Leo, who is still in the crocodile's jaws. Uh, Has to make a DC 10 check to get out and has one hit point. (laughs) We need to stop Leo from saying that things can't get worse. You only have to roll a five, buddy. What could go wrong? Here comes the nat one. (laughs) I rolled a six. I needed to roll a five and I rolled a six. Thank God. (laughs) So Leo gets out of the crocodile's jaws and has a bonus action and a movement. Well, I can't do shit with my bonus action, but I'm going to use my movement to run up into the healing spirit. And take its last heal to yeah. give me that 3d6 back. And also, I'm running up on Cuddles to try to help my buddy. So, Leo gets 12 hit points back from that last charge on the healing spirit, and that is my turn. And then it's Ilva. Ilva is going to do the move that got her her deed name, and she's going to cast Shillelagh on her staff. She's going to go ahead and roll to hit. That'll do it. And then she is going to raise her staff up, yell, put the bunny down. And then she bonks this crocodile on the head. (laughs) So seven. And then we are back up at the top of the order with Fee. Fee is going to yell, I am so sick of Oskaya. Fee is going to run up on this crocodile and going to cast Shocking Grasp. That's going to hit. That's a dirty 20. So she's going to do 12 lightning damage and Cuddles takes six. With a death thrash, this crocodile goes down in the water. Cuddles gets out of the crocodile's mouth with a low squeak. Okay, are we out of initiative? Yes. Leo just lays down on the ground. Leo's still bleeding, so (laughs) yikes. Well, yeah, I mean, it got him around the side, so he probably has, like, I mean, he had his breastplate on, but probably on his hips and stuff, he didn't have a lot of protection, so he's probably got some pretty fucked up wounds there. He just lays down flat on his back on the ground and goes, hey, Ilva. Ilva, panting, still holding her quarterstaff up, says, yes. I have a lot of blood coming out of me. Can you do something about that? Ilva puts her staff back down and just like shifts her posture so she's leaning on it and says, Why do you not heal yourself? I see you do this before. Yeah, I... God, I don't do that anymore. So 
a helping hand would be appreciated. Oh, I think it got my spleen. She shrugs. And then you all take a short rest, so let's roll some hit dice. <laughs> oh my god. So, Leo, sitting there with Ilva patching him up, takes most of his hit dice to do 51 heal. Which gets him back up to full. Let's do Fee's. Sophie's going to use half of her hit dice to get back 23 hit points, which does not quite put her back up to full, but is fine. This one was at full. Uh, they are fine. Ilva uses two of her hit dice and gets back up to full. So everybody's looking good. As Ilva is sitting patching you up, Leo, you feel weird. Hmm. That's odd. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to lay there on the ground. Okay, then. So you all get back up, head on your way. You do a few more hours of traveling through the swamp. No other crocodiles come out. You are all settling down for a long rest. After a few hours, it's dark out. Everybody's setting up camp. Fee, I think, is just going to sit by the fire and just, like, head in her hands. She needs to decompress. This has been a bad day. Leo's sitting there with bandages around his waist and his hips. I think he's taken his armor off and is just kind of sitting there. <sighs> Fucking giant crocodiles. Fucking crocodiles. <laughs> I hate it here. I thought the eel earlier was going to eat me. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. God, he grabs at his side. Yikes. Is that not... If he makes a vague gesture, is that not fine now? Yeah, no, um, it will be. I just haven't had to heal up the old-fashioned way in a while. He says, All right. And then she nods to herself, and she says, Ilva didn't help you out with it, though? Yeah, it's still just a little sore. Don't... Don't worry about it. I don't think anyone is sleeping outside of the tent because you are in the swamp. <laughs> so I think you all just turn in for the night. It takes a few more days to get out of the worst of this swampland that you've been hiking through. Everything seems generally okay. You do notice about two days in that Leo is still being very tender with his sides and his hips where he got hurt. And he seems to be moving a little bit slower, but he doesn't complain about it. He complains about everything else, though. The land starts to look a little bit more dry in general, and the big willow trees start to thin out, and you seem to be back in more of a forested area than a swampland. This is understandably a relief to you. Yeah. Oh, man. I think once they are on completely dry land, Fee just stops for a minute, just like throws her arms wide and goes, Okay! Alright! <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no more mosquitoes. That's, that's always a plus. Leo runs a hand back through his newly cut hair. And roll me perception real quick. Thirteen. You watch your brother just run a hand back through his hair, and you notice something kind of odd. It is not a warm day at all. The swamp was kind of cool. It was humid, for sure, but it wasn't 
hot. Leo is sweating profusely right now. You see he just has sweat dripping down his face and it's soaking through his shirt. And he looks really pale, paler than usual. Just this very cool, sickly blue pallor to his skin. And is swaying a little bit where he's standing. Thee pauses and like tilts her head and says, Leo, are you doing okay? Leo gives you a really dirty look and just brings up his hands in exaggerated air quotes and goes, am I okay? I got chomped on by a massive crocodile a couple days ago. I am the dirtiest I've ever been in my life. And we've got mm, how much longer of this until we even get the possibility of getting on a boat? What, like three weeks? I'm great, Fee. I'm fantastic. And then he passes out face first on the ground in front of you. Ah! Completely unconscious. I think she just like hands up, goes, ah, <laughs> just a very uncertain noise. And then hands down, says, Ilva, help. Ilva was already in the process of hopping down out of the saddle off of Cuddles' back and running over towards Leo. She skids to her knees in front of him, rolls him over so he's on his back, and you can see just this creeping, slow, blue bloodstain starting to come across the bandages that he's got wound around his waist and his hips. Ilva curses in giantish you can only assume and starts pulling his clothes to the side pulling the bandages back and the large deep wounds that he got when the crocodile bit into his sides are very clearly festering and infected Fee gets down on the ground just goes shit 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 Ilva's face looks kind of grim, but she nods and goes, He's nothing I can't handle. These swamp fever sometimes come, and if you get blood in swamp water, sometimes you'll get sick, yes? Fee nods and repeats, Swamp fever. Okay, that's bad. That's really bad. Is common enough, I have spell? Uh, oh, okay, sure. Ilva bends down next to Leo. You see around her hands starts to glow softly, and she casts Lesser Restoration. And you watch these nasty, festering wounds knit up, so it's just scarred skin there now. Leo does briefly flicker back into consciousness. His eyes open. They're very glassy. He looks out of it. And he goes... <sighs> Fee? Fee just still hands up, backed off, says, Yeah, hi. Well, I'm on the ground. Apparently one of the things that we have to worry about in Oskaya is swamp fever. I'm, I don't have a fever, I'm fine. And he goes to get back up, and Ilva fucking shoves him back down to the ground, just plants a hand in the middle of his chest and pushes him back down. She goes, you rest. I think because Ilva's so confident about it, Fee has a little bit of her humor back. She goes, 
Yeah, Leo, lay down and shut up for once. I kick your ass. Yeah, just fucking try it, Mr. Swamp Fever. Ilva does glare at you a little bit, like, don't antagonize him, let him rest, but then scoops him up off the ground and calls up to this one who is still on the bunny. Love mine, we camp here, baby needs rest. Leo, where he is scooped up in her arms, goes, I'm not a baby, and then promptly passes out again. You all get a campsite set up, you put Leo in the tent to rest, Ilva seems to think that he'll be fine after a couple hours to let the spell do its work. She sits down around the fire with you and kind of nods and explains, Usually the spell, it is fixed in few hours. We don't need to worry about getting sick, uh, it only goes, uh, how to say in common, through the water or blood. So, he will not get any of us sick. I have healed this many times before. He's fine. Feech, like, puts her head in her hands. Okay, alright, uh, that's, that's good. It's, um, it's a bit scary in Australia when people get sick. I'm sorry if I've been overreacting. You do not overreact. Your brother is sick. You love him. You worry. He's normal. I feel like puts a finger up and then puts it down and says, yeah, sure. Something like that. I think she just sits next to the fire, takes a few deep breaths. <laughs> we can sleep outside tonight. Give him space. He will be fine in the morning. We keep going. We go to Ivagorsk, yes? Yes, uh, Ivagorsk. Right. You all just set up bedrolls and everything outside around the fire. This one and Cuddles come over. Cuddles settles down kind of close to you and kind of puts his great big head in your lap after a while. He just hugs Cuddles' head. Ilva and this one give you your distance, but Cuddles figures you need some emotional support. I think when you settle down for the night, he like lets you use one of his ears as a blanket. You go into your trance. When you are woken up out of a dead trance, you can tell by the position of the moon overhead that it is the wee hours of the morning, and you are woken up because from the tent next to you, you hear this god-awful- <gasps> These awful gasping breaths. He gets up and goes in the tent. Leo's in there, tucked into a bedroll. All of the blankets are completely soaked through with sweat. He does not look any better. In fact, he actively looks worse. He looks even paler. And he is half sat up as much as he can in this bedroll, clutching at his chest and his throat and just hacking, coughing, gasping for air. Fee ducks her head back out of the tent and just yells for Ilva, um, and then goes in and, like, props him up. As soon as you get a hand on the back of his neck to kind of lift him up. His skin is so hot to the touch that it takes you aback a little bit. He is running a very, very high-grade fever. Ilva comes running over. You see her duck into the tent. She surveys the situation and looks really confused. Great, great, great. That's reassuring. But she slides to her knees next to him and casts another lesser restoration. 
it makes the horrible wheezing stop, but Leo is still coughing and very clearly struggling for breath. Just, (coughs) fuck. Oh, I don't feel good. Trying poorly to conceal her panic. He says, yeah, got that from context clues. Ilva? For the first time ever, you see Ilva actually look a little bit panicked. She looks very unsettled and very unsure of the situation, but she plasters on this soothing bedside manner smile and says, Is okay, you rest, I go get you tea. Firora, we talk outside, yes? Fee rolls her shoulders back and straightens her posture and just plasters on a little smile and goes, Yeah, absolutely. And gently lays Leo back down on the floor of the tent. You can tell he's like half delirious from the high grade of fever that he's running. But then he looks panicked almost for a second and hacks up another gross, dry sounding cough and goes, No, I <coughs> I don't want to be alone. He just like pats his head awkwardly and says, Uh, I will just be a minute, okay? Be right back. <coughs> okay. Yeah, and I go outside the tent with Yelva. <laughs> you guys get two steps outside the tent. Yelva's smile completely drops, and she goes, We have problem, it seems. Again, got that from context clues. Explain. The spell, it, it does not work as strongly as normal. I do not understand this. Fia puts her head in her hands and curses extravagantly at length, very quietly so she can't be heard inside the tent. Yeah, this is why it's it, it it's scary in Asheria. I thought maybe healing magic was different here. Um, guess I was wrong about that. Uh, in my experience, healing magic doesn't heal illness. There's a an issue with the Asherian immune system and how it interacts with magic. So magic, it heal wound, but not sickness, yes? Yes, in my experience, I'm not I'm not a healer. I don't This is not good. I can use spell to keep worst of symptoms from getting too bad, but is not the cough or the fatigue or the upset stomach that is problem with swamp fever? If they cannot get the fever down, she trails off very ominously. Fee takes a very deep breath, goes, yeah, got it. So what do we do? She frowns to herself with this very grave expression. If magic does not work, maybe medicine will? Is plant that grows on the outskirts of swamp... She rattles off some long, complicated-sounding name in giantish. It makes fever go down if you put it in tea. This could get him through... Worst of the sickness, and he maybe recovers on his own, yes? Yeah, 
A plant, okay. In the morning, we go, and Love Mine stays behind to watch him, and we find, yes? Fee brings her hands up and just, like, knots them in her hair for a second, takes a couple deep breaths, and goes, Yes, uh, that sounds good. Yeah. One hand goes out of her hair and just, like, presses to the base of her throat. Yeah, we, we can do that. Ilva nods and then sits down outside of the tent on a spare bedroll and goes, Yes, so now we hope he makes it through night. Fia just nods and goes, Right. And then she just walks back in the tent and just sits down next to Leo. He is noticeably fading in and out of consciousness. But as you sit back down next to him, he makes eye contact with you, and there is a brief moment of lucidity and fear on his face as he's still just gasping for air and sweating and shaking. Am I gonna die? has one hand fisted in her skirt so hard and just says no don't be stupid you're fine he sort of just weakly smiles and goes yeah you're right I'm not gonna get taken out by something called swamp fever that'd be way too anticlimactic and then goes back to sleep Leo, you are walking down one of the grand hallways in the palace in the city of Valentall. You are barefoot. The marble is extremely cold under your feet. You whirl around a corner and you hear from behind you. Your mother calls, Leo, slow down. I whip around to see the source of the voice. Walking down the hall, not really hurrying, just kind of walking briskly. Her skirt scooped up into one hand. Easy, casual smile on her face. Adana Valsine again calls, Slow down, honey, we have to get ready. You don't even have your shoes on yet. Adana is about a five-foot-tall, willowy, elven woman. Steel-gray hair, silvery-gray eyes, the blue undertones that every Asherian elf has. She appears to be dressed very formally, and her hair is kind of like tied up into an updo. Leo stops what he's doing, blinks really slowly, and says, Mama? She just kind of tilts her head at you and goes, Yes, sweetie. Come on, we have to finish getting dressed for dinner. Uh, Okay. Sorry, I was confused. I follow her. She leads you back into what you recognize as your childhood bedroom, obviously. Starts digging around in the wardrobe. She's talking to you over her shoulder as she digs around for things. Now, I know Lord and Lady Shakrana will be early, so that's always wonderful. And she, like, laughs to herself. 
I don't expect that Nasalia and Eamon will manage to get Kalesa dressed by the time we need to be down there, so we have a minute. She pulls something out of the wardrobe, this very ornate, formal set of robes, and she says, Does this look good for tonight? Leo just shrugs and goes, Eh. She laughs, this just great big musical laugh. She says, Eh, he says, All right, a ringing endorsement. And she puts the set of robes in her hand back in the wardrobe, digs around for another, holds it out for your approval, and then something happens. There's just like a shift in your perception. There are a lot of people dancing around you. There's big, grand music playing. You look over to the side and you see your parents dancing together. Your mom's laughing at something. And equivalently, like, 10 or 11-year-old Soren Shakrana is in front of you doing this awkwardly over-formal bow. <laughs> and he says, Can I have this dance? Leo reaches up to the side of his face and wipes away a tear and doesn't understand why. And as soon as he figures out that he doesn't understand why, he kind of shakes his head and says, Yeah, yeah, sorry. Soren grabs your hand, you start dancing. You see Kalesa across the room dancing, like, standing on her dad's feet. She is shattering away, very obviously, and her dad just kind of, like, nods indulgently, just kind of focusing on the floor and trying to get them through the steps of this dance. You look sideways again. You see your parents dancing. You see just various courtiers. And then the light shifts as you're looking that way. It gets a little bit darker. And then for a second, you could have sworn there were more people in here. You turn around. Soren, equivalently like 15, 16 years old, pimples on his face, big dopey glasses. <laughs> is giving this loose, casual smile. He says, Hey, you seem distracted. Is everything okay? Leo blinks really hurriedly again and says, I, what, uh, sorry, what were we talking about? He furrows his eyebrows and just smiles indulgently. He says, uh, we were talking about my homework for one of my transmutation classes. I don't think I have talent for it, really. But, you know, required credits and everything. You look sideways, you see Kalesa leaning up against a wall with a drink in her hand. She's talking to Elena Tormer. Kind of this, like, around your age, a little more muscular, a Sherry and Elvin young woman. She has very straight-cut hair and bangs, jaw length about. She's wearing a breastplate over a dress in the way that you recognize as Tormer bodyguards are expected to be outfitted for this kind of event. Kalesa smiles coyly as she makes a joke, and Elena just like tips her head back and laughs. Her twin sister Elion is in a crowd of a bunch of people across the room, gesturing broadly as she tells a story. They make eye contact, and Elian just waves a hand at her sister, and Elena laughs again and turns back to Kalesa. You can see that she's got one eye on you and kind of one eye canvassing, but she is paying probably a little more attention to her conversation with Kalesa than she should be. 
you see your sister dancing with her own bodyguard. They are like equivalently 13 years old, very awkward about it. And then the light shifts in sort of a weird way. And it gets a little darker. And you could have sworn there were more people in here a second ago. And you look sideways again and you see your parents dancing again. Your father leans over and whispers something in your mom's ear and she like smacks him on the shoulder. <laughs> but she seems fondly amused about it. You look the other way and again, Kalesa just dancing on her dad's feet. And Soren says, Hey, um, if you don't want to dance, that's okay. We can do something else. No. Leo reaches down and gets him by the hand very tightly. He feels scared for some reason, but doesn't understand why. And says, No, stay. Stay with me. It's okay. Soren says, Okay. He's not a particularly good dancer at this age. He's just trying to awkwardly lead you through these steps. And he says, Okay, it's just you seemed kind of distracted. No, I'm okay. You whirl around, and the light shifts in kind of a weird way. And you could have sworn there were more people in here a second ago. There are like a couple people dancing around, not really anyone you recognize. You turn back, Soren, the equivalent of like 25 years old, says, Darling, is something wrong? Leo feels himself start tearing up, and he doesn't understand why. He looks over at Soren, blinks, and says, I... I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And he just lifts both hands up and presses his hands to the sides of his head. Soren squints and tilts his head, and he goes, Okay, well, we can talk about it. You see behind him... Your mother is leaning up against a wall, sipping a drink, just kind of swaying along to the music. You see Elena dancing with Elion. They are just kind of hanging out and laughing together. And then you look to the side, and the light shifts in kind of a weird way. You could have sworn there were more people in here a second ago. Over to the side, kind of behind you, you see Eleonora dancing with Warren Dawn Chaser, kind of standing on her feet. She's wincing a little bit because he's kind of a big kid in comparison to her. And they're just dancing and laughing. You see Fee is doing kind of a complicated formal dance with Fen, just kind of uh, hands pressed together. They are like obviously sniping at each other, joking about something. You see Ravane and Kalesa dancing together, which is kind of weird. You didn't really know that they hung out much. From your other side, somebody says, Mind if I cut in? Leo feels like something has a crushing grip around his heart, but he doesn't understand why. He doesn't turn around yet, but he looks over at Soren and raises an eyebrow, like, is this okay? Soren looks a little concerned for a second, but then he plasters on a smile. He says, yeah, of course. 
I'm not arrogant enough to think I can monopolize the Grand Duke's dance card just because he's my fiancé. Leo turns around and sticks a hand out for whoever's behind him. Storin lets you go, takes a step back. And Zed, easy, cocky grin on his face, (laughs) says, Thanks, man. He grabs your hand and pulls you into a dance. And then the light shifts in kind of a weird way. And you could have sworn there were more people here a second ago. Everything is dark. There's just a spotlight of about six inches of light around where you and Zed are dancing. And he has that easy, cocky grin. And he says, Now, boss, you and I both know there's something weird going on here. Leo's hand tightens around Zed's like he is deeply, viscerally afraid that something is going to pull him away. And he understands why. This isn't real. Zed nods thoughtfully, says, All right, so what do you think is going on? Really, I mean. Leo closes his eyes and focuses really, really hard on what he can perceive around him, like what he can hear, smell, feel. Roll perception. 17. Leo, you take a deep breath. You smell smoke and heat, like that kind of swampy, earthy smell, and sweat, mostly. You feel something cold under one side of you, and you feel the pressure of somebody grabbing your shoulder with one hand, and the other hand is kind of like under your head. And you hear, Leo, wake up! Wake up! Is Zed still there when I open my eyes? Yeah. I think... (laughs) I think I'm dying. Zed tilts his head a little bit. This light from nowhere reflects off the jewelry in his tusks and in his cheeks. And... That big, cocky grin kind of morphs into the smaller, more genuine one. He raises his eyebrows, and he says, Now, Leo, that doesn't sound like you at all. Would it be so bad if it did? They're all here. I saw them. What if I just stayed? Zed frowns and wrinkles his nose and says be awful hard to get better then and then he lets go of your hand and takes his other hand off of your waist and brings it up to tuck your hair behind your ear and he says come on you know what the right answer is and he takes a step back and the light shifts in kind of a weird way. The point of light from nowhere that was kind of outlining this dance circle grows and it balloons out and you see, leaning against a wall, making a gesture with a drink in her hand, your mom is laughing at something. 
Next to her, Soren is sitting at a table reading a book. He looks up just long enough to make eye contact with you. He gives you this little sweet smile, and then he goes back to what he was doing. The lights glitter. You see Elena and Elion just kind of making a joke. Their mom is kind of watching them from a corner. Indulgent little smile on her face, one eye on the rest of the dance floor. It seems like they're all having fun. It seems like everything's okay. Leo takes a few steps away from Zed and slowly makes his way past all of these people that he now knows are dead. He stops at each of the Tormare sisters, gives them both a squeeze on the shoulder, walks over to where his mother is standing with her drink in her hand, picks up her free hand and just presses her palm against his face and takes a deep, shuddering breath. And then he walks over to where Soren is sitting at the table with the book and almost sits down in the open seat next to him. But then leans in across the table and kisses him on the forehead. And then he turns around to look back at Zed, nods, and says, Yeah, you're right. And we said we were going to get better. And then he turns around and walks out of the circle of light. Fee, it is a long, stressful night. You got your four hours trance, so you're not under exhaustion or anything. But throughout the hours... Leo's fever steadily gets worse. He is just absolutely delirious. To the point you hear him calling out for his mother and for Soren and for Elena and Elion Tormere, who have both been dead for years. Ilva comes in and out as she can, is able to druidcraft some ice and things to try to cool him down, but he is in really bad shape by the time the sun comes up. His breaths are so shallow, his chest is just barely rising and falling, and every time you put your hand up to his forehead to feel, he's just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. But eventually, the first gray light of morning breaks over the horizon, and Ilva stands up from where she's been doing another lesser restoration to try to help with some of the other symptoms. She nods and says, All right, uh, we must hurry. Yes, yeah, let's... And feel like swallows and clears her throat. <clears throat> let's go. Uh, you lead the way. This one has woken up by this point, and Ilva apprises them of the situation very quickly. You hear them speaking rapid-fire giantish to each other. And this one looks gravely concerned, but then goes into the tent to sit with Leo. Ilva leads you out into the woods beyond this swampy land where you just came from. 
You're walking along. She turns back to you and says, Is rare flower, you understand. We may not find in time. You are looking for pink petal, white stem. Pink petal, white stem. I'll find it. You and Ilva actually split up so you can cover more ground to try to get this done as fast as you can. I need you to roll me a survival check. Okay. It's an eight. I'm going to use one of my rerolls off of Gift of the Stormbringer. It's a three. I'm going to use another one. That's an 18. I'm going to use my last reroll to see if I can get a nat 20. I can keep the better roll when I use Gift of the Stormbringer, right? Yes, if you're using your luck rolls from the cape and you're just dumping all of them right now, you can take the highest one. Okay. It's going to be an 18. To find this plant in time to save Leo's life, it was a DC 15. Okay. (laughs) You are just frantically combing through the underbrush, and you find at the base of an impossibly large pine tree a bush of flowers growing with bone white stems and leaves and bright pink petals. Each one of the blooms is the size of your face. It's an abundantly growing bush. There are plenty of these flowers that you can snap off without much work. Okay, I do that. I get a bunch of them. You harvest a bunch of these flowers. You meet up with Ilva in a clearing about 10-15 minutes later. And you two book it back to camp. Ilva stokes the fire, puts some water from one of her water skins into it, and starts brewing this tea. And takes it into the tent, presses it to Leo's lips. He is extremely weak, but manages to drink the whole thing. And about 20, 30 very stressful minutes later, his eyes open. And he looks at you, coughs kind of weakly. <coughs> I feel like I've been run over by a cart. Feed just starts laughing <laughs> more than a little bit hysterically. She just like presses a hand over her mouth and just goes. <laughs> and I think just slowly sinks to sit on the ground. Look, I get that I probably look pretty funny right now, but you don't have to be a bitch about it. Still just, like, hysterically giggling. V just goes, <laughs> Shut the fuck up, I hate your guts! <laughs> and I think the laughter just morphs into, like, sobs. From beside you, Ilva looks a little confused and frowns and says, If you hate Guts, why do you save his life? And Leo, still looking pretty out of it, blinks and goes, What? Fee is just, like, sobbing at this point. It's a long story. (laughs) Ilva, I think, can tell when she's not necessarily wanted in a situation and kind of backs slowly out of the tent to give you guys some space. After you calm down a little bit, 
Leo reaches one now pretty clammy hand over and just kind of squeezes at your arm. You're not getting rid of me that easy. I promised somebody I was going to get better. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good, good policy to stick to. Um, <laughs> I think she just puts her head in her hands. I'm going to trance now. If I start dying, wake me up and kick my ass, okay? <laughs> yep. Yep, will do. And he lays back down and just rests. Leo takes his trance. Fee, I think, just kind of stays sitting in the tent awkwardly. Not really sure what to do about anything. It's a rough couple of days. It takes two, three days before you're, like, even up and about in any significant way, Leo. Fee doesn't say much about anything, but she is sticking close. She doesn't start any conversations with you, but she seems to be kind of always there. And it's, again, two, three days, and this one kind of, like, claps their hands in the tent and says, So, it is probably a good idea for us to pause on our journey. Yes? Pausing is all I've been doing for the past couple days, my friend. <laughs> Shit. Yes, very good. Uh, but is exposed here. Yes? The, um, and they look like they're looking for words for a second. The go someplace is more shelter? Shelter in numbers? Yes? You're the expert here, not me. They nod to themselves. They go, these funds, clan, spins most of year close to here. We go stay with them. And then they gesture at you and go, baby, recover strength. We continue on to Ivigursk. Yes? Yeah, sure. I uh, wouldn't say no to a real bed right now. Fee? Her head pops up when you say her name. She looks like she has not been paying attention. Sorry, what? This one says that we can go hang out with their family for a bit while I finish kicking this bug. Um, does that sound like a plan? I know it kind of sucks that I'm slowing us down, but... Fee kind of frowns. One hand, like, flutters up to touch the base of her throat kind of nervously. You've noticed that that's kind of a nervous gesture that she has now that you don't really remember from before you left Australia. Yes, that sounds like it would be the best idea. She kind of, like, straightens her posture. She goes, yes, we will stay with this one's family, and then we'll figure out how to get out of here. Cool, somebody's gonna have to put me on that bunny, because I don't think I can walk more than, like, ten feet right now. This one bombastically says, this one carry baby to the bunny. I'm not... You know what? Yeah, you carry baby to the bunny. Thank you. And they just, like, scoop you up. Cuddles is a very good boy and stays very still while you get settled in the saddle. Fee climbs up behind you. Her posture is very stiff. She doesn't quite look at you as she's getting settled. And you start a going. After 
after they've been riding for a while, and if Ilva and this one are far enough as to be out of earshot, Leo just kind of blinks down at the path ahead of them and speaks up and says, Look, I am not complaining, obviously, but I've got to wonder if... If the old man sent you to Vogvoldur to kill me, why didn't you just let me go? You could have gone home a hero. C takes a very deep breath, <laughs> clears her throat, says, <clears throat> Father didn't send me anywhere. I went to Vogvoldur of my own accord. And I am very sick of this whole routine, honestly. I... I don't know what I want out of our dynamic going forward. I have never been given the opportunity to find out. And if you died outside of that swamp, I would never have the opportunity to think about it. So, I guess it just seemed like kind of a waste. Well, for what it's worth... I've got a lot of people I hate and battles that I need to fight. And if I can take you off both those lists, I think it gets a little easier for both of us. He just kind of laughs. <sighs> yes, I uh, suppose that would be more convenient. Leo gives her a very tired but still shit-eating grin and pretends to wipe a tear away from his eye and goes, Fee, please, my weak heart, I can't handle it. Fee throws her head back and cackles and says, I'm going to push you off this bunny if you're not careful. <laughs> Leo laughs and, very tired of holding himself up, leans back on her shoulder in the saddle. Fee doesn't push him away. And that's where we're going to end this week. <laughs> Will bad things ever stop happening to Lairol Valsine? All signs point to no. <laughs> so true. Anyway, can't wait to see what happens next week. Uncompelled duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As per usual, we're going to be plugging our social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We also have a lot of other really cool stuff, like our official Spotify account and our official website. You can find both of those linked on our various social media profiles. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. You can find us on patreon.com slash compelledduel, and starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to all kinds of cool perks, things like early access, access to exclusive playlists on our Spotify, even letters from your favorite character every month. If you're interested in supporting the podcast in ways other than pledging to the Patreon, 
We ask that you consider leaving us a rating and a review on Apple iTunes, if that's where you listen to us. That rating and review will help us get promoted to a wider listener base and grow our audience a little bit. Additionally, if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far on Compelled Duel, word-of-mouth advertising is super powerful for us. We ask that if you like what you're listening to, that you just tell three friends about it, and if they enjoy it, ask them to tell three friends. Our next episode is going to be going live on Friday, June 25th, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you will get your early access on Thursday, June 24th. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.